Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss discuss habits you can employ in your daily life to make you happier. Here on Voice America today to talk about perfectionism is the amazing Kareth Foster. Thanks, Kareth, so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, lady. Yeah, the honor is mine. And, you know, to give the audience just some color about how you are and who you are, you have so much going on. And it's in, in hard to just, I was laughing before the show to give a bio because you have just so much happening. So you're a comedian, you're a mother, you're an, um, a massive speaking personality, you're a motivational speaker, you're often on the news, you're described as a humorist, you've written this beautiful book, You Can Be Perfect or You Can Be Happy. You, that's right here. And I love it so much. And you also have this curriculum that you've launched and you'll tell us more about. So you really are this force to be reckoned with. And I don't know how you would describe yourself. Maybe you can give us some, <laughs> some a fuller picture of how you would yeah. describe yourself. I'm a bit of a Renaissance woman. And you are a Renaissance you know, woman. You're a change maker. <laughs> that, that's the idea, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Because and I, I talk about this in the book a little bit. It's, it's, I can't live my life wondering what if, right? Mm. What, if I, what if, what if I don't do this? Then what will happen? What if I don't have this experience? What if I don't go for it? So it's not that I'm not scared or I don't have fear because I'm not fearless. I, 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 I still get scared. I still get intimidated. I still get, oh, caught up in my own mind. Can, you seem pretty this? fearless to me, at least. But I, you know what overrides the fear is the wondering what if. So thank God for that. Yeah. So why don't you tell us what you're working on now? What's your newest project? Sure. So all of my work, we were just kind of chatting about this earlier, really has culminated into being able to give people ownership over who they are and and the way they think and how they speak and, and just, you know, being able to honor that, that divine being um, you know, and that connection to not just source, but to them, to each other and to themselves. And so I have been wanting to revamp how we address diversity and inclusion or now DEI, diversity, equity, and right. inclusion, because while um, many people I'm sure who've been involved in it for many years have, you know, their hearts have been in the right place. It's just been the wrong process. And we've caused more division and polarization because if we hadn't, we'd be in a much different place than we are now. So I thought, you know what, why don't we change, flip the script, literally. So I, instead of calling it diversity, why don't we call it inversity? We're mm. so honoring, again, you know, all of the things that we bring to the table as individuals, our ethnicity, our heritage, our backgrounds, our gingers, or, you know, all the things that make us us. But instead of focusing on those differences, why don't we shift the focus from what separates and divides us to what we have in common? How can we be truly inclusive of one another, but most importantly and powerfully, how can we be introspective in understanding your value, your worth, your connection to humanity? Because if you can see that in yourself, then you can see it in someone else. Yeah. So I just want to stop and repeat. So inversity, this idea of, can you repeat like exactly how you would define inversity for people? Because this is like such an excellent 
way to look at this sort of diversity spectrum, right? Because it, you know, it does bring up diversity almost is like this idea of us as being separate, but we aren't separate. We're all human. I mean, if you yeah. look at the root of the word diversity, it's, it's div. And if you like the mm, Latin division word is, is, is pull apart, like mm. tear apart. Like, so it's no surprise that when we're doing diversity work, people feel torn apart. People feel disconnected from one another. Um, so it's, it's, it's even in the root of the word, why it hasn't been working. Right. Yeah, so yeah. again, this is the inverse of it. Like let's flip the script instead of focusing on what separates and divides us, we focus on what we have in common, how we can be truly inclusive, but most importantly, and again, like I say, powerfully, how we can be introspective, which brings us the ability to understand our value, our worth, our connection to humanity. Because when we see it in someone and ourselves, we can then see it in someone else. So we're working from the inside out yeah. right? instead of the outside in, which is what it's always been about. You need to think this way. You need to see other people this way. You need to like, you have to change how you perceive the outside world. Well, why don't you look inside first and realize, you know, oh, wait a second, this is who I am. And I, I love and honor and respect that. So, you know what, that's who somebody else is. And we may not see eye to eye on the same thing. We may not agree on the same things, but there's still a human being who's worthy of respect, who's worthy of being valued, who's worthy of being heard. Yeah, of course. And I love this concept of the wordplay, right? So the inversity, and it reminds me of this idea of intimacy, right? Is into you, I see, right? And so this idea of like, if we want to create connection with others, we have to put ourselves into their position or be able to see, you know, try to see from their map. And their map is very different from our map, of course, to breed this connection. Absolutely. So let's talk perfectionism. <laughs> so this is the habit of the day for listeners. And so we have, you know, we've had habits that are gratitude and we've had mindset and then we've talked about drinking. So we've had, um, you know, both habits that are sort of on the one sort of side of the spectrum that we could, we could put in a context of healthier. And then we have a ones that, you know, could be called less healthy, right? So perfectionism, I'm going to argue is less healthy, <laughs> but I'll let you tell us. And I do want to mention in Kara's book, you can be perfect or you can be happy. Something that stuck out such to me is this idea that perfectionism is a lie. Yeah. And so tell us, tell us yeah. what, what is perfectionism yeah. and why is it a lie? So it's, it's basically something we've been sold and we've all bought it hook, line and sinker. And the thing is, it's, We've been sold it from a very early age, right? From the time you were a kid, if you did some work, schoolwork or a picture and someone's like, do you like it? Oh, it's perfect. So you're like, oh, that's what I have to get to every time. I have to make it perfect to be get a, to get approval, to be seen as good, right? To be accepted. Um, and we're also shown, you know, oh, look at that person who has that beautiful dress on and their makeup is just, you know, you know, it's, 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 there's not a, a anything out of place. It's perfect, right? So we need to strive for that perfection, have the perfect house, the perfect car. And, you know, I realized before I wrote this book, what the impetus was, was, you know, I had a very, um, uh, it was painful, but it was an unexpected uh, experience with my newborn. Um, and it really threw me off. And, you know, it was one of those, you got one job and your one job is to keep this person alive. And mm. I thought I was failing miserably and I was, it wasn't my fault. I just didn't have the knowledge. Right. So I, I did get the help and it worked out, but I thought about, you know, I wasn't being perfect. I wasn't being the perfect mom. And then I thought about like, how long 
Have I been trying to be a perfect person, the perfect student, the perfect mm-hmm. friend, the perfect daughter, the perfect girlfriend, the perfect wife, the perfect employee, mm-hmm. you know? And what was that costing me? And yeah. I realized it was costing me my happiness. It was costing me joy. Um, and the reality, like we were just saying, is you know, there is no such thing as perfect. And, and I'm not saying don't strive to be the best that you can be and to do the best that you can. You know, this isn't an excuse to just not put any effort in. But it's to understand that, you know, there will always be something that can be made better, right? Yeah. There will, you, you'll never, it's that carrot, that golden carrot you will never catch. And if by chance you do, guess what? Seconds later, a bigger, brighter, shinier mm-hmm. golden carrot is going to appear, right? So yeah. it's just this constantly being on this treadmill, this this hunt for perfection. But sometimes what you do is just exactly what it should be and as it should be. Yeah, what you do is exactly as it should be and what it should be. That's are such wise words. So tell us why have we been sold this lie of perfection? Where does it come from? Um, I think it comes from people who want to make us feel less than mm-hmm. so that we buy into the narrative that we aren't part of something greater, that we, you know, it's 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 kind of like the uh, you know, anything on TV that you were being sold is because you need this to be more, to have the perfect house, to have the perfect look, to have the perfect car, to, you know, be this, this being that is basically telling you, you aren't enough. Yeah. It's um, the message. That's the message of perfectionism, right? right? That and, if you're not enough now, then you need to be more than right? you are. And we are enough, but we don't believe that. And we certainly don't get that input from any external sources right now, you know, very few, at least in the media. And I'm not, I don't want to bash, bash the media. I, I, you know, the media is a tool for some wonderful things to give Mm -hmm. and, you know, information to connect us, but we have to be very, very diligent on how we let it affect us. Because again, the goal is to make money. I mean, the new, the goals of the news is to make money. I mean, right. they need sponsors so they can stay on the air. So they will put on what will attract viewers. And a lot of that is things that have us living in fear, fear of one another, fear of diseases, fear of what's happening in the external world, fear of people who vote differently than we do. Um, you know, and there's the fear of not being enough, right? So there's that play that's happening um, on a consistent basis. And, and we, we believe it because unfortunately we have an internal dialogue that defaults to the negative versus the positive. So like a muscle, like going to the gym, you have to train yourself to be mentally strong mm. um, to understand that, wait a second, you know what? Uh, there's a, I, the reason I exist for a reason, I have a purpose. And that's what I tell everybody that I speak to. It doesn't matter what audience, a corporate audience, a, a high school audience, you know, the fact that you exist, do you know the odds of that one sperm finding that egg and making you like, I'm it's amazing, right? It's amazing. Class, right? Yeah. And that we right. ended up like a bird or a worm right, or something else. Right. Like <laughs> you're a human being on this earth in 2021. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. You have a purpose. You're here for a reason. And don't let anybody rob you of that or any idea steal that from you. Um, and, you know, Unfortunately, there are people who, because they don't know that and they can't honor it, they want to take it out on other people, Mm. right? And sometimes those people show up as parents. Sometimes they show up as other classmates. Sometimes they show up as coworkers. And it's that misery loves company kind of thing. 
So again, you know, this is why, you know, having agency over, hey, how you feel about yourself, not letting anybody dictate how you should feel about yourself, but also, you know, choosing who you give your time and attention to. Like that's very important. That's very important. So tell me in your book, you talked a lot about this time. I, I wouldn't say it was a breaking point, but it was a time that you shifted from this idea of perfectionism to happy. And it might've involved a trip to Bali. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it is such a, it's such a wonderful story that resonated for me in this uh, sort of, you know, awakening you had towards probably I would guess to even, you know, go on this journey to write this book and, and seek happiness over perfection. Absolutely. So I was in a very toxic um, professional situation. I was on air with a a, a DJ, a, a very famous shock jock. He w- he predated Howard Stern. It was his name was Don Imus, and he was just very damaged. You know, I you know hindsight twenty twenty. That's what he was. I just thought he was this mean kind of ogre guy. Um, but he was talented. He was incredibly talented. And there were days that were really wonderful. And it was a dream job. And there were days that because he was an addict who never sought any kind of recovery officially, um, he he was a dry drunk, a self-admitted dry drunk. So he had these manic episodes and you never knew who you were going to get. And I saw him make grown men cry. Like he was that kind of like just vicious, cruel. God, I and, had the chills. That's like, you know, it's a yeah. little scary sounding. It was, it was. And the thing is, you know, there's so many people who experience people like that. And it's not just like, you know, when they work with someone famous, it's, you know, people who are assistants to a boss who basically runs the show and there's no, there's no help. There's no HR. And there wasn't in my case, it was just like, well, he's kind of the king, the sheriff, the governor, he can do whatever he wants. He's the mm. goose that lays a golden egg. Right. This and is before me too, everyone. Yes, yes. Yes, it was. And it was a very um, difficult situation because it was my dream job on paper. I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to fail. Um, and I, you know, at some point I really got insight into an emotionally abusive situation because so many times throughout that time with him, I thought, oh, this is my fault. Now I'd never grown up. I was very fortunate to have very loving, kind parents. I did not see any abusive language or physical abuse. Um, I'm, I'm very blessed. So this was my first experience with something like that. And at the time I was also in a personal romantic relationship with someone who was very unhappy as well and very angry. Um, And so it was like at home, it was at work. And I remember thinking, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown and I'm either going to end up in Bellevue, the hospital famous mental (laughs) ward in New York City. Thankfully she didn't everyone. Spoiler (laughs) alert. Right. (laughs) So it's like Bellevue or Bali. What are your, what are your choices? I'm like, if I'm spending that kind of money, I'm going someplace pretty. So good choice. I fortunately had the income and I could do it. I, I flew to Bali um, for a two week um, adventure. One was supposed to be like a manifestation retreat the first week. And the second week I was just going to do my own thing. And I get there 24 hours into my trip, um, not physically healthy at the time because of all the stress, emotional uh, trauma that was going on. I had a horrific asthma attack, like bad. Like I thought I'm going to die here and my mother is going to come over here and revive me and kill me again for dying on the other <laughs> side of the world. <laughs> so I'm like, get me. I go, I need to get to a hospital. I need steroids. I need a, you know, a nebulizer treatment. They're like, well, we have this Western woman who, <laughs> who um, runs a fertility clinic 
And I'm like, that's not the part of my body I'm having problems with. <laughs> <laughs> like nebulizer, people. Right, nebulizer. Right, right. Yep. It's further up, further north. And so that I'm like, whatever, when in Rome, right? So I'm like, I'm, I just literally put my faith out there in these people. So they take me this woman who cups my back, gives me acupuncture, opens my lung, literally saves my life. And she says, let me see your tongue. And I show her my tongue. She's like, oh, honey. She goes, how long are you here? I'm like, two weeks. She goes, you need to see me every day that you're here. So I did. I saw her every day that I was there. And we started talking and um, just sharing, you know, about my life. And she's like, where are you from? What do you do? And I go, oh, well, you know, she goes, how did you get to the state? I go, well, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm not in a very good place right now. My boss is really mean and hateful. My boyfriend is mean and I just, and she said something to me that forever changed my life. She said, well, sweetie, I hate to tell you this, but you're the constant. Oh, wow. Wow. Excuse me. (laughs) And I was, oh, I was mad. I was like, how dare she imply that I have anything to do with what's going on in my life? (laughs) Yeah. Because it's happening. It was your, your perception was, was happening to you. Right. Right. Exactly. And so you know, the, that was, and that was a thing. Like I was mad and I, I was angry because I didn't want to hear what she said. Mm. She wasn't saying that I was responsible for what was going on. She said that I was responsible for putting myself there. I was, resp- I was the constant. I was always there. So what was it about me that was allowing this to happen? And that it took many months. Like I didn't get it instantly. I didn't have this immediate epiphany. I didn't have this like, you know, download of, oh yeah, I need to switch this, this, and this. It it was months before I realized, wait a second, I am the constant. That means there's something I need to change so that this does not happen again. And what is about me that's allowing this to come into my life? And what I realized was, you know, those people may have been abusive in their own way, but I was actually my first abusive relationship in the sense that I wasn't loving myself and taking care of myself like I should. And that allowed the window, the door, the garage door to be open for those other people to come into my sanctuary to treat me the way that they did. Yeah. You write about in your book, this concept that how we treat ourselves is how we allow other people or tell other people to treat us. Absolutely. And we, that we just are the really signal. resonated. Yeah. We're, we're that beacon, right? We are the ones who, who, when people see how we treat ourselves, they, they're like, oh, okay, that's my sign as how, because people aren't psychic. Like, I mean, we are psychic, but people aren't, you know what I mean? They don't instinctually know who you are until you tell them and you tell them by how you act, you tell them by how you dress, you tell them by how you show up. Right. And when I say dress, I don't mean like you have to be fancy. I mean, like, you know, you can wear whatever all your clothes from a thrift shop, but you put it together really cute and nice, or you feel confident in it. You show up in it because you own it because that's your look. People will see that. Yeah. They it's can't about self-respect. Not see it. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's not about the designer labels. It's about how you show up and how you show up is how other people will treat you. It's how they will see you. Yeah. And it's very difficult if you are not feeling confident, if you're not feeling like you love yourself, if you're not feeling worthy. And then we wonder, you know, why do we have all this strife going on in the world? Why do we have all this anger? Why do we have all this road rage? You know, we have a lot of people who are very unhappy with themselves and some of it's because we think we're supposed to be perfect and we're not. And if we could just accept that fact, do you know the weight that that mm. takes off of your shoulders? 
It's freedom. Freedom. It's freedom. freedom. It's freedom. Yes. For for people that might be listening and thinking, I'm so resonating with this, right? That I strive and strive and strive every day. And I find myself, you know, on the couch at night with a bottle of wine and Netflix, and I'm just, you know, feeling exhausted and I can't reach this place of perfection and I just want to be happy. You know, what how do we flip the script on perfectionism? So what would we do in our daily lives each day to to not be striving for perfect. One of the things I would suggest is date yourself. Date yourself. Oh, I treat love this idea. Date like yourself. You would like a date to treat you, right? Okay. Like your perfect date. Do something for yourself that you would like someone else to do for you because it has to start with you first anyway, right? Mm. So if you want, you know, to watch the sunset, go somewhere and do that. It doesn't have to be with another person. That's another thing. We think we need somebody else to make us feel better, right? Or feel a certain way. Absolutely not. Absolutely mm. not. Because guess what? Nobody else can love you like you. Not your mom, not your dad, not your significant other, not your kids. Nobody can do that for you, which is, while it seems like, oh, that's too, that's sad. It's actually incredibly empowering because it means you've got the control. You've got the power yeah. to do that. You have the ability. And so it doesn't have to be a big grand, like I'm taking myself on a cruise around the world. It, I mean, sure, it could be. If you have <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> the finances, go for it. But it can be so much something like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a bubble bath tonight. I'm going to treat myself really well. I'm going to make my favorite meal for dinner. You yeah. know, I'm so going to self- read a book. I'm going to set, I'm going to take a nap. Yeah. Love a nap. So self-care could be the antidote for perfectionism because it starts with self-love to get out of the cycle of perfectionism. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. It's certainly planting that seed. And then you have to do things just like you do to tend a garden, to help it grow and flourish and bloom. And you have to make it a habit right? Yeah. You have to make that self-care habit. You have to make the, you know, when you s- look in the mirror first thing in the morning, very few of us go, hot damn, you look amazing. Right? <laughs> Most of us are like, oh God, look at that wrinkle or that, that blotch or that, the, that cellulite, right? We, we say stuff to ourselves that we would never say to another human being. And if somebody said it to us, we'd be like, who raised you? <laughs> We certainly wouldn't be friends with the voice in our head. Right? <laughs> exactly. So as soon as that happens, as soon as you look in the mirror and you catch yourself saying something negative, you say five things that are positive. You counter it. You counter it. Okay? So every time you have a, just to repeat for listeners. So every time you might have a negative thought, which is where we go, especially when we look in the mirror, first thing, counteract it with five positive things. Yeah. 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 That's a great habit. Right. And it also brings into gratitude, which is a really wonderful morning practice that I like to tell folks. So, so have you ever met anyone that's perfect? (laughs) (laughs) There are people I thought were perfect. Mm -hmm. And then I got a little insight into their lives. And you know what? It's funny before I had kids, um, oh, I was so judgmental, right? I, I'll never forget my girlfriend, one of my best friends from college had kids a lot earlier than I did about 10 years prior to me. And um, I, she was always like so put together and polished. And I'll never forget if she had kids, I went to her house and I was in her house and then I was in her car. I'm like, what happened to her? Like what, what she just like, like what is going on? This is kids, kids happened to her. Yeah. Now I have children. I judge no one. This is, this is the no judgment zone. Okay. (laughs) 
That's what I tell my clients. This is JFZ, judgment-free zone. Right, right. Yes, Um, yes. And so it's, it's understanding that nobody has it all together. And the people that do, as I say in my book, they're delusional. They're on something. They are living in a fantasy world. Nobody has it together. And they may look like it, especially on social media, you know, and I would say Pinterest is one of the worst places you can go because people put stuff up there like, 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 I don't know how, like some of these women will put like, you know, a full Thanksgiving dinner that they made out of cardboard. I'm like, how did you do that? (laughs) And it looks delicious. Like I want to eat it. Um, So you got to, you got to stop comparing yourself. I mean, that's truly one of the first things you have to do Mm -hmm. because the grass, well, people say the grass is greener on the other side. No, the grass is greener when you water your own lawn. Yeah. And, you know, you were, you had a little Voltaire reference earlier, right? Tend your own garden is one of, yeah. one of his. Then also yeah. this idea that comparison is the thief of joy, you know? Absolutely. And absolutely. So, what questions can we ask ourselves when we look at social media or what can we tell ourselves? Because I think this is a trap, right? So, perfectionism, there's like this rabbit hole of social media that feeds into the perfectionism and vice versa. Right. And I think it gets us really tripped up, especially for those of you all who might be parenting teenagers or young children. You know, what is, what's some language around that you would recommend for us to use to, for ourselves and others around this perfectionism social media piece? Because I think this is important because this is driving this cultural place of perfectionism, which is dangerous. I think compassion is the first word that comes to mind for me. Compassion for others, compassion for yourself. And when I say compassion, I mean, understanding that, you know, for some people, pardon me, all that they may have is the ability to put an image out right now because so many things are happening behind the scenes that are hard where they're suffering, you know, we don't know. And so, but having compassion for yourself too. And I I call it being just kind, just Mm -hmm. kindness. Kindness goes so far and kindness doesn't have to cost a thing. Kindness can just be acknowledging someone um, and being kind to yourself. Like, you know, we, we, again, so often get caught up in this idea of, you know, I have to look a certain way. I have to be a certain way. I have to, you know, act a certain way. And we're, we're not forgiving. We're not forgiving of ourselves. And I, I mean, I throw a lot in there. So, but it, it's all really is, is part of that, the kindness circle, right? Compassion, mm. empathy, forgiveness, grace. Grace is probably one of my favorite words. Instead of racism, we need oh, to spread gracism. Gracism. I love right? that. I love that. <laughs> right. It is. It's the inverse of this idea of judgment, right? Yes, of ourselves yes, and yes. others. Yeah. And it's, well, it's just, I mean, we live in a world where literally like you turn on the TV and everything is a contest, right? Who's got the best baked goods? Who made the best outfit? Who can design the best? Who do the best makeup? Like who can sing the best? Like everything's a competition, right? Who's the best? Who's, and we all want to weigh in. We all want to like, you know, our, we all want to have an opinion and we're entitled to our opinions, right? Opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. <laughs> Opinions are like belly buttons. Everyone's got one. <laughs> and you're hysterical. entitled to it. You're you entitled are. to it. Yep. But know that there is a difference between having an opinion and a judgment. Because a judgment is when you want someone to think, feel, believe exactly the same way that you do. And you're right. There's no wiggle room. There's no nothing. Right? But that means that they're also right if that's their judgment too. And when you think about it, if we're judging other people, what do you think they're doing to us? Totally. It's very arrogant, beautifully arrogant, but very arrogant of us to be so righteous. 
right? And again, that goes back to freedom. Like when you relinquish judgment, that frees you from worrying about what other people are thinking about you. You want yeah. that? That's their opinion. Great. Yeah. Let them have it. Yeah. This is my opinion. Mm. I wonder it's how like, many wars we could have stopped. <laughs> Just like, and what oh, we could do opinion. with with all that freedom. But right? we're headed for a break. So <laughs> I'm going to put a pin in this idea of freedom when we come back. So everybody hang in there and we'll see you on the other side of the break. Thanks, everyone. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about her individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at habits, the letter for happiness.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow! Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now, back to our program. Here again is Lady Fuller. And we're back. Thanks, everyone, for hanging in there. I'm here with the beautiful and amazing changemaker, Kara Foster, who is talking about the habit of perfectionism. And this is a personal favorite topic of mine because I would say, and I don't think I've told you this yet, Kara, I am a recovering perfectionist. And it was a really big um, multi-year process for me to get out of perfectionism. So when I read your book, You Can Be Perfect or You Can Be Happy, it just really resonated. And I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown's book, um, The Gifts of Imperfection. So I wanted to ask you, like, what are the gifts of imperfection that you see in your life and are common themes that you talk about in your motivational work? Sure. Well, I think recognizing when you are a perfectionist, right? Like that's, that's a huge gift because then you now have the ability to make the corrections. Right. And I think when you realize that, and this is what I I call it perfection paralysis, 
Like so often we think, oh, well, I'm just lazy, right? I just don't have the uh, tenacity. I, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't have the an it in me to do it. No, you just, you want it to be perfect, right? And so I think so often we're beating ourselves up for not being able to accomplish something at a certain time or fulfill something when the reality is most of the time that the things that have been holding us back has been this perfectionism, but we never labeled it that, right? We always labeled it as like an inability to do something or not being enough. But when you recognize, wait a second, it was just perfection all along that was keeping me from doing something or achieving a goal or putting myself out there, you realize, and wait, perfection is a lie. So wait a second, I've been living a lie. Let me, let me, let me flip the script on this. Let me change that. Yeah. And this idea too, you know, in my coaching business, I often talk about perfectionism is this wonderful behavior that keeps us stuck on purpose, right? So we use it as this excuse not to do something. So it actually is a form of numbing and everyone sort of laughs when I say that, but it's no different from having a bad habit of drinking or of something else that's that's putting something between you and what you want to get done. Because since it's a non-achievable goal, you know, we can't achieve it. So we don't just don't do whatever it is that we think that we need to do. Right. Right. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's a beautiful excuse. I have a chapter in my book called stop making excuses. Yeah, you do. And listen, if I, I mean, if it had been up to me, if I had let my perfectionism take hold, I'd still be writing the book. Like it wouldn't even be out. <laughs> I'd still, it'd be like four years in the <laughs> <laughs> I know every writer's got to put down perfectionism, right? I was actually at a reading recently where the where the, it was a famous writer, fiction writer, and she was actually editing the book as she was reading it to us. So she was saying, "Oh, you know, you're never done editing as a writer, you know, because no, like no. the perfectionism still. This no. is like she's like she was like reading the you know published page, right? Too. Right? Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and that's that's what I'm saying. You'll it'll never be perfect. You gotta just you gotta put it out there because you know what? It is what it is sometimes. And sometimes it's exactly what other people need, exactly what they needed to hear. And I even write, I mean, I write in the beginning in the intro, this book is not perfect. It's not going to be perfect there. I'm sure there, and I had three editors look through it and there were still errors, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's being human. And that's what this is all about, right? Like this is truly about giving ourselves permission to be human. Oh God, that, that resonates giving ourselves permission to be human. Yeah. And a lot of times people feel they need to be given permission. If I'm the one that gives it to you more great. Everyone, Kareth is giving you permission (laughs) to be human today. So let's, 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 let's pivot a little bit. Oprah with you get a car, you get a car. I'm like, you get permission, you get permission, (laughs) you get permission. Well, Kareth, I'm going to take your permission to be human because it's really, it's wonderful. And it also brings us to this topic of, in your book, you write about this concept of the universe always conspiring for you. And those are my words, not yours, but this idea that what is happening to you is happening for you. And so can you expand on that concept? Because this does also alleviate the need for perfectionism if we have... I find in my coaching practice, a connection to something that's greater, right? It doesn't need to be God. Perhaps it could be nature, but it could be the universe, whatever. Absolutely. So tell us about that. So, you know, I've had many experiences in my life, obviously. I mean, you can look at my resume and see just the different things that I've done. But, you know, a big turning point for me was when I was really in beginning my comedy career, I was given the opportunity to 
do the roast. I was asked by Comedy Central to sit on the dais for the roast of Larry the Cable Guy, who happens to be a very good friend of mine. And I was very early in my career. Like, I mean, they say it takes seven years to find your comedy voice, right? I don't know why it's seven years. I don't know if it's because it's- Did it take you seven or, years? <laughs> um, I would say like, it's around that time that you really just kind of figure out like your style, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for some people it's earlier. Some people, it's, I mean, who knows? It's just a number that I was passed okay. down, right? Like not a wives tale, but it was just the kind of the general rule in comedy. And, but that was usually when people started headlining and they started, you know, making their television appearances, all that kind of stuff. And um, I was only like five years in and I'm like, am I ready? And I'm thinking, I don't have all my A material. I don't have 45 minutes. I'm not a national headliner. You know, am I going to go on TV and like make a fool of myself? Cause I'm terrified. I'm, I, I don't know what to do. And it was that perfection paralysis. Right. And mm-hmm. unfortunately my manager at the time was not as he was a little wet behind the ears as well. And let me say, no, let me turn it down. And I said no to this amazing opportunity and it hurt. I didn't want to say no, but I just, you know, even when I asked some of my colleagues in the comedy community, who'd been doing it like 15, 16, 17 years, you know, what would you do? They're like, well, you only get one chance to make a first impression. And I listened to them. Now that could have been their own self-sabotage at work. Cause that's what they would have thought. They needed or the, five, they been, they need, <laughs> they needed the right. five positive messages. Go there ahead. You go. Or they could have been jealous. Like who, who knows mm-hmm. why they said what they said, but I listened to them. Right. And it, it, it reconfirmed what I was thinking already. Right. So it wasn't like, go for it, kid. Like, I wish somebody just said that nobody said that to me. So I turned it down. Well, two, three years later, I see a friend post on Facebook that he's writing for Comedy Central. It's like, oh my God, you know, anytime I see anybody in the comedy business doing something good that I like, more power to you because it is not for the fate of, you know, yeah, fate of heart business. or weak of spirit. Yeah. It is a tough business. It really is. And so I said, congratulations. I go, what, do you, what show are you writing for, for Comedy Central? He goes, well, it's not really a show. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm writing for the roast. I go, I'm sorry, you're what? <laughs> you're writing for the what? <laughs> And I'm like, oh my, and it hit me. I mean, it was like a punch to the gut. Like you're writing for the, like, so if I had said yes, I would have had help from writers. I would have had people there who I knew. I would have had, you know what I mean? Like all of the fear, all the stuff that I thought I wasn't going to get. If I just said yes, I would have had it. If I just trusted, right? And so now I say yes to everything, especially the stuff that excites me and scares me. And this has been the case since the universe, God, source, however you want to call it, conspires, like you said, to to help you. You you just have to make the first step and say yes. You have yeah. to put yourself out there. You have to say, you know what? I want I want this. I'm I'm in. And then the technology you need, the materials, the mentorship, the tools, you will get it. You but you have to activate it by saying yeah. yes first and believing. Yeah. So yes is this first step in manifestation, right? Yeah. So tell us more. So you talk about manifestation in your book and I'd love for you to tell us more about this idea of like, you know, you have to really, I was reading that you have to, you know, feel into it and believe it's true and for order for it to happen. Absolutely. And I think, you know, uh, I'm not the only person who talks about this, obviously. And, you know, we can go back to that really, you know, famous Rhonda Byrne book, The the Secret. One of the things people were saying was missing from that was, yeah, you can want all you want, 
But if you don't believe that it's yours, mm. if you don't believe that it, it it will happen or that it's already yours, really not that it will happen, that it's yours, that it's it's happened. And you know, I'm a I'm a master manifester. I put stuff out there. I write it down. I make lists. Okay, so tell us. List. You tell us your manifestation <laughs> That's how process. I met my husband. That's how I met my husband. I made a list. Uh huh. And I did. And it was a very specific list because you don't go into a restaurant and say, I'm hungry, bring me something. No, you say, I'd like I it. love this. <laughs> I'd like to order my future husband <laughs> off the menu. <laughs> I'd like a, a, you know, a salad, blue cheese dressing on the side, no croutons because I'm trying yeah. to stay off carbs, uh, a little bit of red onions. You can get a little one Harry met Sally with it. There's no shame in that game. Yeah. Right. Little pepper, and salt. Okay. Right. Especially with source, especially with God, like God, there's n- nothing out there that doesn't want you to have what you want. Mm. You just have to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Why are we afraid to ask for what we want? Because we're going to be selfish. Nonsense. I was about to curse. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's okay. (laughs) I get the inference. Radio too. Yes. So it's nonsense. Don't be afraid to ask for what you want, because if you do not ask for what you want, you will not get it. That is a hundred percent guarantee that you won't get it. If you don't ask. And maybe it's not the right time, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get it later on. Yeah. We are definitely a generation of instant gratification and we want it and we want it right now. Well, sometimes there are, you know, there's a reason that it's not happening exactly at this moment. There's a reason I wasn't married at 26 years old and having children then. I would not have been ready. I would not have had the career that I had. I would not have, you know, I, it just, and I, you know, I was a little upset at the time. I saw all my friends getting married and doing that. And I'm like, why am not me? I'm uh, what's wrong with me. <laughs> right. And then I'm like, oh my God, I look back now and I'm like, thank God that didn't happen then. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. That the universe because, is working for you. Yes. Right. Yes. And I, I see that now and I appreciate it now. And, you know, again, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So you can look back and see these things and be like, okay, that's why that happened. And again, it's why did this happen for me versus to me? That was a huge epiphany for me. Yeah. And again, you know, I, I, as I say in the book, I don't want anybody to think that like anything that was negative or horrible or abusive was something you asked for. But maybe the for you is to show you how incredibly strong and resilient you are, Hmm. that you got through it, that you survived it, that you now have a story to tell, to inspire someone else, to share with someone else. That's why it happened for you, not to you. And you get to own that and you get to take the victory out of the victim. Take the victory out of the victim. That is so powerful. Oh my goodness. So perfectionism, I want to go back just one step and talk more about this idea of the universe is conspiring for us and we are imperfect beings, right? So if we want to say yes more often and advocate for ourselves, how do we do that? When, how do we put the fear down? You have to ask, what if, like Mm -hmm. I said, that it's not that I don't have fear because I do. I still get scared about stuff. I still get intimidated. I still have self-doubt. You know, I'm not this perfect being, right? And I haven't superseded that part of my humanity. But what I do understand is that, you know, I will wonder what if forever. Mm. And to me, that's hell. That's a living hell. Yeah. You know, when I think about what I may have missed out on, because I didn't say yes, because I didn't go for it. And what I do know for a fact is that it's not a mistake. It's not a mistake. It, it, 
it, the only time it's ever a mistake is if you didn't get anything out of it, whether it was to not do it again, yeah, it's <laughs> whether it was impossible. to do it differently. It's yeah. Yeah. It's not to not get anything out of it's it. It's all right. learning. It's all lessons. I mean, how do you think we have evolved with technology if people didn't screw things up first to get to the right answer? Right. 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 Like we have, we, we have to, it's trial and error and, and we want to beat ourselves up for that. Like that's insanity. It's yeah. insanity. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, if you, if you're a science person and you like the whole idea of, you know, hypothesis, test, repeat, it, it it's part, part of that whole process yes. is the ability to be imperfect and using the imperfection to iterate and innovate and make things better. Right. So fail just forward. viewing that in our old fail, fail forward. forward. Oh, I love that so, so much. And this idea of saying yes, you know, um, there's two books that are coming to mind. If you're a fan of Michael Singer, The Surrender Experiment, he talks, he says, yes, I think for a whole year. And then Shonda Rhimes, who I love so much, she also has a beautiful book, A Year of Yes, which was really an amazing book. And I would also offer a great read because she did this whole experiment of saying yes. And what I often tell my clients and tell folks is this idea that you may not get the answer that you want. This plays back into this universe conspiring for you, but there's three answers, right? There's yes, there's no, and then there's this concept of not right now. And so this concept of not right now just might mean for you in the comedy show that that wasn't meant to happen then, but your abundance and all these things that were coming for you were coming on a different perhaps timeline, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Which leads me to my next question, which is this idea of, you know, I've been exploring with relaxed waiting, right? So sort of our perfectionist ideals are that things are going to happen on this perfect timeline and that we get upset that they're not happening in the time that we want. So how do we get more patient and let the world and the universe create perfectionism or what's happening for us? How do we get patient (laughs) to to let that happen? Because I don't know, and I would love, love your direction. (laughs) I was hoping you could answer that. Yeah, I'm very impatient. I've actually Um, looked around for some patience classes and they don't seem to have any. (laughs) We'll have to create the course. We should, because, you know, it's it's lost art, this idea of patience. It is. And I think, honestly, one of the first things you can do is just center yourself, right? Just Mm -hmm. breathe. Just just, just be quiet and, and learn to meditate and learn to, and, you know, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't like meditating because my thoughts get all in my head and I can't sit still. And, you know, there, sometimes it's just literally going outside, putting your feet on the grass and just, just taking the air in and the scenery. You can still be thinking about thoughts. You can still be having things go through your mind, but it's a little quieter, right? Turn off the TV, stop watching as much television, put your phone down for a little bit, just be, just be. And that's, really challenging, especially in a day and age where like, I mean, my husband said we were at the store the other day, we're at Costco. And he said, a guy was at, in the bathroom at the urinal watching something on his phone. <laughs> we can't stop with the input. We love the them. Urinal, right? right. Yeah. And yeah. Like, Dude, like that's, that's supposed to be like your time. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's like the shower and the bathroom right, are the two right. places we have absolute quiet. Right, yeah. Right. And so I think recognizing that, wait a second, I am not having to be stimulated all the time by something external. And I think that as challenging as that may be, it will give you a little bit of peace. And that peace again, like just set a timer, honestly, start with a minute 
if that's where you are. So, I mean, that's how they start little kids meditating is like, just mm. sit still for a minute, right? And maybe it's and just silence. Two minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. This idea Absolutely. of silence. I actually Absolutely. read an article that said that the, the average American cannot sit without some sort of stimulation for longer than like eight, you know, might be a minute and a half or something. I, that yeah, that's not really, a surprise. Yeah, it might have been two minutes. But the point is that we're so used to having inputs um, that we actually can't hear ourselves think. And I know because you're creative and a humorist and so many other things that our, some of our greatest strength come in our downloads, our ability to hear ourselves think. It's okay to be bored. Like we forgot that it's okay to be bored. Like, and we think our kids can't be bored now. Like I can't tell you how many times when I see a child out at a dinner, like restaurant and they've got a screen in front of them, it makes me bonkers. Like me and my (laughs) husband both. Cause our kids, like my parents gave them tablets for Christmas and they're up in the closet. Like they're not even allowed to do that. Like a lot of times. Yeah. It's because it's be bored. You know what? No TV. Go play with something. Go build yeah. something. You got Legos. Go, Go dig a hole. Out. Create a <laughs> create a game. Make a game up. Right? Like there's it's okay to be bored. It's okay to be bored. Because like, that's when the juices get flowing and the ideas come and the inventions happen. And again, you know, to, to think that we have to be stimulated all the time by something external. Like I think just recognizing that, right? Yeah. Is, is a good thing. And then you can do something about it. So, you know, yeah, and managing our inputs, right? And so that yeah. could even go to managing our inputs as far as we're talking about perfectionism, social media, right? So with some yeah. of my clients, we'll do a, a social media detox and it's amazing yep. how good they feel. Yes. You know, a week off of social yes. media can yes. provide this like amazing dopamine hit because we have all at one, we have all so much more time. We're not scrolling, but two, we're really looking at what's in our immediate surroundings and enjoying the lack of comparison. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because comparison lives in this perfectionism <laughs> space, right? They live in the same they silo. They're friends. They, they do. They're they friends. do. And the other end of the spectrum is, you know, gratitude and imperfection and yeah. humanity and yeah. grace, this beautiful yes. uh, of idea of just openness to what is. And then, you know, I think what you've said is this trust in source, Right, this trust that, and that's I mean, that's faith, right? That's literally faith, and Mm. faith doesn't have to be in a religious context. Faith is just believing that something bigger than you, something greater than you, an idea, uh, an energy, is 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 working with you and for you, and that it it, is, and that you are a perfect being in your imperfect self. Yes, right. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We are and perfectly imperfect. Yes. Perfectly imperfect. So if listeners, which I know they will want to find more about you and what you have going on and, and catch you on TV or wherever you may be, how can they find more of you? Or they, they want you to sure. speak at their corporate events, whatever it is. I love it. Well, so there's not too many carrots in the world. And my name is K-A-R-I-T-H. And I can be found at carrots.com. Um, and my uh, programming for university and university solutions is at inversitysolutions.com. Um, I just created a curriculum, as I said, an asynchronous curriculum for uh, corporations and for colleges and universities, even upper grammar schools, um, high schools. And the world I'm needs be this. It, we need it. The world we need needs need this. More, more of Kareth. Check her out, kareth.com. Thank you so much. And at Kareth Foster is my handle for almost everything. 
Yeah. And I, I read in there, you might have a children's book that's coming out. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on getting the illustration done. The story's been done for a while, but getting the illustration sorted out is uh, it's coming. It's a great children's book called Leela Finds Love about my chihuahua and her trials and tribulations of fighting a soulmate. And is she perfect? My chihuahua, I have to say my chihuahua is perfect. <laughs> She's a little, she, she's an emotional eater. So she's a little heavier than she should be right now. So people was like, is that part beagle? No, she's just a tricolor chihuahua who emotionally eats. <laughs> who didn't in 2020, you know? <laughs> and comedy, are you practicing comedy now? Are you out there doing stand-up? You no, know, I still do it every now and then. It's been a while, but I did it not long ago uh, at a conference for some people. But yeah. I, my main focus is, but I feel like I get to do my stand-up in like when I speak. So it's like I get to, inc- so it's like my speaking events are always going to be really fun and engaging because yeah. you're going to laugh as well as just be inspired and, and feel connected and engaged. Oh, I love that. And spreading this amazing, beautiful, beautiful message of inversity, which the world needs now more than ever, right? It's yeah. a completely chaotic, yeah. mixed up place out there. And that's why I think we have to allow also for this idea of perfectly imperfect, right? Yes. And not get stuck in this perfection trap that you describe so beautifully in your book. And I just want to encourage all listeners, please go out and buy this book. You can be perfect or you can be happy. It changed my life and I know it'll change yours. And just knowing Kareth is such an honor. And, you know, I just want to end here that, you know, my takeaway from this situation is that you guys, we are all imperfect, but we're perfectly that way. And that we can change the script, right, Kareth, in our heads? Without question. That's the power that we have. And we should never forget that. Yeah. And so less judgment and more grace. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for being here today, Kareth. It has been an honor. Please check her out at kareth.com. She will... um, she will make you laugh and also give you such a spice of her life, which is just beautiful and amazing and full. And, um, and you know, she has such light to spread. So check her out. And next week, tune in for another show about ha- habit for happiness. And just remember, guys, the road to happiness is paved with healthy habits. So we'll see you guys next week and take care. Thanks, Kara. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place.